Amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want to read a section of Scripture together. And uh, when I say section, I do mean the entire chapter. And uh, this is just simply by way of introduction. And uh, I want to read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it'll be on the screen because I want you to be able to follow along. Look, l- listen to what the Word says. It says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, be a meat eater. Go ahead, tell him, be a meat eater. It's the word of the Lord for some of you. For you were not ready for that solid food. Indeed, you are still not quite ready because you are still a little worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling. Notice what he correlates to worldliness. Jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are, are you not just mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Everybody say grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. In other words, quit arguing whose connect group you're in. My connect group is better than your connect group. My serve team is better than your serve team. My church is better than your church. We got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? Just chill with it. It's God who's at work making things grow. Look at verse 8. The one who plants and the one who waters both have one purpose. Everybody say purpose. Both have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. And we are God's field, God's building. By the grace that God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. In other words, fruit's going to show up. Fruit's going to show up in our lives when we're doing it God's way. It will be revealed with fire and with a fire tested in the quality of each person's work. If, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, their builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though as only one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in the midst of you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred. Everybody say sacred. And you together, everybody say together, are that temple. Don't be deceived in yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may then become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. 
as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor and say, no more boasting. No more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos, Cephas or the world, uh, are of life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is of God. I want to bring a message to you today entitled, The Oasis of Humility. The Oasis of Humility. I love being competitive. Uh, there was a long stretch of my life where you would have to qualify me as overly competitive. Uh, I, I hated losing so much, um, and, and when I get really competitive, uh, the natural gifts that God has given me to use my mouth come out, usually in the form of sarcastic trash talk. Uh, when God has given you the gift of gab, you use it in all its glory. You just let people know what's what. I once, uh, it was so bad when I was a freshman, I once got a technical foul for running my mouth in a basketball game from the bench. <laughs> Wasn't even in the game. Sitting on the bench, running my mouth, about got kicked out. My coach wasn't too thrilled. We have this phrase, right? Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it on social media. It's like hashtag humble brag. You ever, you ever seen that? Where, where we just kind of like humbly brag about our, our, our stuff. Like, oh, new car. Just a humble brag. Oh, my kid's an honor roll student. My kid beat up your honor roll student. Humble brag. <laughs> right? Like, all, through, all through our lives, we, we have to, if we're honest, we would have to say that humility is not our natural response. Humility is not our natural posture. In fact, we tend to be more competitive. We tend to be more uh, argumentative than we are agreeable. Uh, I mean, all it takes is one person to say one thing, and all of a sudden, arguments begin. My wife and I both were so used to being right all the time as number two in our family, both pretty intelligent and smart, and uh, both pretty committed to our opinions. When we first started uh, dating and early on in our marriage, we had several discussions because by nature, we are both argumentative. Uh, I think instead of being humble, a lot of times we're, we're, we're more defensive and guarded then we are open and transparent. Somebody says something, we just immediately get defensive. You don't even know what the email's about that your boss sent you, but you just see the memo line and you haven't even gotten into work and you're like, oh man, I just know I did something. And you're automatically on the defenses before you even read the salutations and the greetings. Right? Like It doesn't really matter how many emojis are in the email. You just are already ready for a fight because you're automatically defensive and guarded and we brag, and we compare, and we criticize, and those are our natural reactions and responses in life. But I believe that God wants us to become an oasis of humility. I believe that God wants us to become an oasis of a sense of uh, being more agreeable than we are argumentative. It's, it's being willing to prefer somebody above ourselves. It's being willing to say, I am second, I am not first. 
And it's this decision to be an oasis of humility that I believe is so refreshing to the world around us. It is the antidote to the pride and the arguments and the arrogance that exists in our society today. Jesus, I think, addressed this in Luke chapter 9 in verse 62. See, Jesus was in a, a several verse discourse in Luke chapter 9 and and, and he was essentially telling those that were listening, if you're going to follow me, it will cost you something that other people aren't always willing to pay. There is a cost to following Jesus. Part of the cost that we give, that we surrender, that we're willing to pay out to follow Jesus is to lay down our pride. And this is why many people, a lot of men, are unwilling to fully follow Jesus because we would rather hold on to our pride and self-made feelings than lay down our pride and admit that we need a God and a Savior. Humility is part of what God is getting at. And, and in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, this is actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it sounds really... Uh, when I read it to you here in a minute, you're going to be like, seriously, like that's the one? Like, Pastor, that's one of your favorites? Yeah, it is. And I'll unpack it why. The Lord has shown me and taught me so much from this one verse. But look at it. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, it says this. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow. Some of you are like, I knew Pastor liked farming. No, but I really like the agricultural illustration that God was using right here, all right? Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit. Everybody say fit. Is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Jesus is trying to let us know who qualifies for being used by him. Jesus is trying to let you know, hey, listen, if you want to be uh, make an impact in the kingdom of God, if you want to be an influence, if you want to see your purpose flourish and be known, here's the secret. Here's the secret. Don't put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Because if you do, you're not fit for the, the kingdom of God. Jesus wanted you to know that there is a cost to following him. Part of that cost is being willing to stand up and say, no longer I lives, but Christ lives in me. This is why water baptism is so important. I can't tell you the number one reason most people come to me and say, Pastor, I don't think I can get baptized. I don't want to be in front of people and get embarrassed. Being humble is not the same as being embarrassed. The reason why we get baptized is because we are publicly stating that we are in a sense of taking the position of humility so that Christ can live and we take second place. It's, it's admitting that we've messed up, that we've lived a sinful life, that we haven't been perfect. Newsflash, none of us have. 
There's no reason to be embarrassed about that. But there is power that comes into your life when you're willing to stand up and say, I'm not first anymore. Jesus is first in my life. I'm taking second chair from here on out. He's in the driver's seat, not me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Sin once controlled me, but now it doesn't control me. And it's an incredibly, uh, it's an incredible act of humility, not embarrassment. But it does take humility to do it. And that's why it's so public. And that's why it's so necessary. And that's probably the very reason many of you haven't been willing to take the step because you feel like, I'm just going to be embarrassed. It's not going to be this. I just don't want people looking at me. Listen, we're not going to make you sing a song and do a dance. We're not even going to give you a microphone. I don't trust you that much. But we do want you to come celebrate and let us as a body rally around you. Celebrate what Jesus has done. And you take a courageous act of humility and say, no longer me, but Christ. Because we want to be fit for the kingdom of God. There is a cost to following him. And if you've never been water baptized and the Lord has done a new work and you've made a fresh decision to follow Jesus, don't wait. As soon as service is over, go back to the next steps and start signing up. Some of you, you've got access on your phone right now to the central hub. You have my permission for the next three minutes to tune me out and sign up to take your next step to be water baptized. Why? Don't let pride hold you back from the very thing that God is asking you to do. Don't let it do it. I love that he says, don't, don't put your hand to the plow and then look back. Like, don't put your hand to the plow and look around. See, when you put your hand to the plow and then you start looking back, in that moment, you have now stopped plowing. It's that on again, off again relationship with God. I'm on again, off again. I'm following God, I'm following me. I'm following God. It's a start and stop, start and stop, start and stop. In basketball, we call that suicides. Some of you are so sick of the roller coaster, but you just got to remember it's your own fault. You're the one getting worn out, tired, ready to hurl a little bit because you're just starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping, starting, stopping. I'm going to start going to church. I stop going to church. I start going and following the word. I stop. I start reading my Bible. I stop the plan. I start, I stop, I start and stop. Let, let's just make a decision today that we're going to play full court with God. We're not, none of this half-heartedness, half-effort. almost said a bad word. Jesus helps me. Uh, uh, no more halfway. Let's go full court with him. Let's play both sides of it. Let, let's not just sit back on the sideline. Let's say we're going to put our hand to the plow. We're not going to stop just to look back. And you know why I think people would stop and look back? Because we stop to see our progress. Oh, look how good I've plowed. Look how straight my lines are plowed. Look at that person's field. They aren't plowing as good as I'm plowing. I'm more spiritual than they're. I, God bless me. I've got a new car. They ain't got a new car. Oh, I got my man. I got a ring on it. They're still waiting. And we're starting to compare. And we're criticizing other people's plots. And God says, put your head down. Put your hand to the plow. And keep moving forward. Stop criticizing and complaining and comparing your life with somebody else's life and run your race. It's pride that causes us to want to compare and criticize. So don't put your hand to the plow and look back. And I love how he says they're not fit for the kingdom of God. That's not a physical fitness word. It's a heart character word. 
You want to know the kind of people that see God's power on display in their life? It's people who demonstrate a life of humility. It's people who are willing to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my preferences second, and I'm going to serve somebody else. I'm going to put my agenda, my priorities, my busy schedule. I'm going to, I'm going to put constraints on it. I'm going to hold it back. I'm going to do this in a way that gives me margin to serve somebody else because other people need to hear Jesus. Other people need to hear it. It's an issue of our character. Humility is an issue of your character. Do you want to know one of the most promotionable or promotable characteristics in a person's life when it comes to work environments? Are you ready for it? Humility. 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 God honors and blesses and promotes the life that is willing to be humble. Not the one willing to brag not the one who's in it for themselves, not the one who's always pushing their name to the top of the plate, not the one who's trying to climb the ladder, climb over the other people, put them down, criticize and compare. It's the person who's willing to take a posture of humility. Why? Why is it so important? Because ultimate humility, when you become an oasis of humility, you decrease and God increases. When you decide to be a person of humility, you now get out of the way so God can be seen. Some of us, are having a hard time reaching the people that are closest to us for the kingdom of God because all they see is us and our good deeds and our good efforts, and they can't see Jesus through you. When you become an oasis of humility, you help other people see the God that's in you. Why? Because you start taking second place. And you promote him in first place. It's you start lifting him up. You start giving him the glory. And when you do that, other people see God clearly. If you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. Here's the whole sermon in a sentence. An oasis of humility helps others see God clearly. But as long as we are filled with pride, they will see us instead of God. And you don't have the power to save somebody's life. You don't have the power to transform somebody's life. You don't have the power to rescue somebody out of darkness. But the Spirit of God does. And when we walk in humility, they can see God clearly rather than us. We want to become an oasis, a refreshing place, a, a place where people love to go because they see humility. When they see us walking in humility, they begin to see God most clearly in our lives. So what does that look like for you to me? How does that practically play out? Here's, here's the first thing I want you to write down, and that's this. Here's how we live out being, uh, being humble, how, how we become an oasis of humility. Number one is this. Be humble, place glory where it belongs. Be humble, Place the glory where it belongs. Again, if you're taking credit for everything, they're not seeing God, they're seeing you. Be humble, put the glory where it belongs. Do, do you want to know why Satan got kicked out of heaven? Lucifer got kicked out of heaven? Because he was merchandising, he was siphoning, he was stealing as a worship leader from the platform he was stealing the glory that the angels were giving to God. He was saying, yeah, yeah, but I'm pretty gifted. You wouldn't be singing these songs if I didn't write the songs. And he was siphoning the glory and the honor and the praise that was due to God and God alone. And he was taking credit for it. 
You want to know the fastest way to make enemies in your workplace? Take all the credit and pass all the blame. You want to know how to become a fan favorite in your work? Take all the blame and give away all the credit. Be humble. Put glory where it, where, where it belongs. I think it's so funny. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm guilty of this all the time. Uh, but, but listen today when the Chiefs win against the Titans. <laughs> listen to how your husband talks about the game at home. Listen to how he talks about it with his friends. Man, we had a hard-fought game today. We, we played hard. Man, I can't believe we won. That was amazing. What a great victory for us. Really? You, you like... Laced up the shoes. Like, like you cut that pass? Could have swore it was Kelsey. I mean, I know you think you look like him, but like, I don't know. Like, you mean you, mean you called that play? Yeah, I was telling them they should have put this play in a long time. They ought to quit running the ball and just running. Oh, man, you are so smart. I can't believe. Why have they not hired you as a coordinator yet? All we did was sit on the couch, eat some hot wings, drink some sweet tea, and yell at people that can't hear us. <laughs> like we had some outcome of control. Listen, I'm going to be right there with you today. I'm going to be yelling and screaming at people that can't hear me too. But think about it. Look how we talk about it. Oh, we did this. No, you didn't. They did. Next Sunday, we get to celebrate something awesome as a church. We get to celebrate the faithfulness of God. We get to celebrate the generosity of many, many people in this church. And we're going to walk in here and we're going to celebrate as we have this grand opening. But, but can I just let you in on a little secret? Number one, all the glory really does go to God because everything that we own is his. We steward what he gives us and we steward it his way. And some of you are going to be like, oh, come see what we did at our church. But you ain't gave a dime. And that's not criticism. I just want you to see how easily pride creeps into our lives. How simple it is to slip in. Now, you're feel, feel free to drop a really big check in the offering box today. And you can stand up and say, look what we did, Lord. Like, we will welcome. Like, like come on. We'll be all right with that. I, I, just, I, just, I just want you to see how easy it is to walk in pride with things that we didn't contribute to. You know what I'm thankful for? That we have a church full of people who have made it up their mind that we're going to live as committed contributors, not casual consumers. I'm so thankful that we are full of a church like that. And I think that's what they were getting at in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Quit trying to take credit for something. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody's got a small part to steward. Whether you gave a lot of money or you gave two pennies, you played a part. You played a part. We all have a part to play. And that's what Paul was addressing in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, saying, quit trying to brag and take credit and say this is better than this. No, everybody's got a role to play, and ultimately it's God who brings the increase. This leads me to my second point today, and that's this. Be humble. Think of yourself less often. If we're going to be humble and place glory where it belongs, it could be easily tempting to take on a false sense of humility. Oh, it's all God. Well, it wasn't that good. 
That was a great service. Oh, it was all God. No, I didn't. I didn't have anything to do with that message. It was all God. Listen, my messages are not that great. Like, I'm not going to put all of this on God. Like, my name's not Jesus. I'm not going to put on some sense of false humility. You don't need to put on some false sense of false humility. You have a part to play. The, the field won't get plowed if somebody doesn't put their hands to the plow. So humility isn't just like, oh, it's all God, it's all God, it's all God. No, humility doesn't mean that we think less of ourselves. We don't need to be self-deprecating. I, I'm terrible. I didn't, I didn't do anything. It wasn't in God. It wasn't. No. Humility doesn't mean we, we think less of ourselves. We lower how we see ourselves. We live with some below standard of, 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 of God's opinion of us. No, being humble just means we just think less, we just think of ourselves less often. Like instead of waking up in today thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast, how I'm going to get where I need to go, the things that I have to do today, it, humility wakes up and says, I wonder how I can serve my spouse today. I wonder what I can do to help my kids have a good day today. I wonder what I can do to make sure my coworkers know that they're valued today. That's all humility is. It's choosing to sit in the second chair and to put my preferences lower than yours. That's what it looks like to be an oasis of humility. It, we talked just a minute about being committed contributors. Listen, I want you to understand something. Your value in the kingdom of God, in the church, in the family that you live, in your office, your value is not based on your contribution. Don't derive your worth from what you output in your life. Don't do it. That's false pride, false humility. Instead, remember that your contribution is valuable, though. I love that here at Faith Church, this is a church being built not on the, the talented gifts of a few people, but on the sacrifices and the giving of many, many, many people. It's not just a few people who are doing it all. No, there are so many who have made a decision to be a committed contributor, to sign up and say, I'm going to serve. I'm not going to sleep in on Sundays. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to stick around late. I'm going to make sure that people are ready and in place. I'm going to love on kids today. I'm going to hold a baby that cries and cries and cries and sing praises to God. I'm going to show up early and run a camera. I'm going to get cones laid out in a parking lot and wave people on. It's the contribution of everybody. But remember, your value is not based on your contribution, but your contribution is absolutely valuable. Every part has a, every role matters. Jesus talked about one day when he was sitting, this is such a, a savage Jesus move, by the way. He was sitting there watching people give in the offering, like standing at the offering box, looking at what they were putting in. I, for the record, have never done that. For the record, I don't ever plan to. Like, uh, there's another zero you could put on that one. Like, like, Jesus was standing there watching what people were giving. And there was a widow who had like two pennies. She came and gave it. Was her gift super valuable? Not in the way that you would think. Jesus says, you know why this is such value? You know why her contribution matters so much? It's not because of the amount. 
it's because she gave from a place of need, not from a place of abundance. It's the sacrifice that she made that was so amazing. I think about the people who drive crazy miles to get here every Sunday to make sure you have a, a seat to sit in that's straight, to make sure. You, I, I think about people like Ron and Deb who were here uh, most of the day yesterday and Deb all week this last week painting places that you may never see but painting with a smile, with joy, singing along to some music. And she did it not for notice, not for recognition, but because she knew her contribution, it was valuable in this moment. I think about, I think about people like Dwight and Kathy who show up every single week to make sure you have toilet paper in the bathroom, clean places to sit down, fresh Kleenexes underneath the rows, things are vacuumed, things are dusted, cleaning our entire facility. Why? Because they value excellence. It's not about it being seen. It's about knowing that my contribution has value and it matters. Why, why does that matter? Because here's, here's the third thing. If we're gonna be an oasis of, of humility, it's because we decide to be humble, Working hard because we realize we're stewards. We're stewards. This isn't ours. The things that God has brought into your life, they're not yours. The children that God has blessed you with, they're not yours. They're God's. The business that God has blessed you with, it's God's. It's not, it's not yours. The investments, they're, they're not yours. They're God's. The gifts, the talents, the energy, it's not yours. They're God's. And when we realize that we are here to steward everything open-handedly, we recognize with humility that purpose is behind every effort that I give. In other words, we can put our hands to the plow, not look back, keep plowing, even though somebody may never notice that we spent time to make sure this plow line was super straight. We're doing it with a heart of excellence because we know that there's purpose behind it. Every week, our host teams hustle to make sure there's fresh connect cards on every seat because they know somebody might sit in that seat for the very first time who's going through a deep, dark time, and they need to write down a prayer request. They know that somebody's there, that they didn't come prepared to take notes, and that person needs to be ready to write down what God's going to speak to them because one word from God might change their life for the, forever, and they know that there is purpose behind what seems like a meaningless task. Why? Because we're walking with humility knowing that our efforts matter. We know that there's purpose behind this. See, you can do something that might seem insignificant. I'm just packing lunches for my kids today. I'm just, I'm just doing this. I'm just waving to people in car line. I'm just making sure that, that the boss has everything that he needs for his conference call today. I'm just doing something that might seem meaningless, but I have purpose behind it because I'm not doing it for my boss. I'm not doing it for my kids. I'm not doing it for the church. I'm not doing doing it for my pastor. I'm serving and working hard as unto the Lord. And he sees it all. That means while I'm running cable and burying it in the ground, while I'm climbing on telephone poles, while I'm hanging sheetrock, while I'm giving roof estimates, while I'm directing traffic and literally just filling potholes in a town with a lot of potholes. But it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to probably get criticized for it. It's not going to be good enough for somebody. I'm not doing it for their applause. 
doing it because I'm stewarding the opportunities that God has given to me. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for God. I don't stand up here and preach every week for you. I mean, I do, but I don't. Do it because God's called me to do this. Ultimately, I want to be an oasis of humility because he's given me something to steward that's not mine. And when I realize that I'm doing it for God, I am unwilling to cut corners. I am unwilling to be lazy and take my hand off the plow. I am unwilling to let pride creep into my life and take credit for something that God gets the glory for. Because when I become an oasis of humility, other people see God more clearly. And I will not serve the Lord in a way that doesn't cost me something. Think about David. In 2 Samuel 24, 24, he makes these words. He says, but but the king replied, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the entire threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them. David said, I'm not going to give to the Lord something that hasn't cost me something. So many of the people who serve week in and week out make Faith Church what Faith Church is. They sacrifice something every week. And they know they're not doing it for recognition. They're not doing it for pride. They're not doing it for acclamation. They're not doing it for any other reason other than they recognize that it's for the Lord. And we are unwilling to give the Lord anything that hasn't cost us something. We say no to ball tournaments. We say no to sleeping in and having brunch. We say no to to, to catching the very beginning of a Chiefs game. We say no to certain things because we want to say yes to the Lord again and again and again. And we refuse to be anything other than oasis of humility where people can experience God clearly. Romans 12 and verse 9 says, love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Don't fake it. Love from the center of who you are. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. What would it look like if an entire church decided to live with the mantra, I'm second? I'm second. My schedule, my busyness, my 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 preferences, it's second. It's second. I'm second. If it's going to help reach people, if we're going to see people find Christ, if we're, we're gonna, I'm just going to be second. I'm going to live as a life of humility. I'm going to be willing to get over my pride and go public with my faith and say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I once was a sinner bound, but now I'm a saint set free. I'm not going to be perfect from this moment, but I am in pursuit of a God who is perfect. This week, what's your next step? Some of you, your next step is to sign up for water baptism, to go public and be humble and give glory to God for what he's done in your life. You need to sign up. Some of you, your next step this week, practical. Some of you, you need to sign up for a serve team. Some of you, you love telling people what to do, 
join the parking team. Every car that comes in, you get to tell them what to do with a smile on your face. And they can't talk back. Windows are up. Like, like, it's perfect for some of you. It's perfect for some of you. Find, find a team. Start serving God. It's not about the value. It's not about the platform position of it. It's about walking with humility to say, this is for the Lord. It may seem menial to stand at one door and just open it, close it, open it, close it, open it, close it, but it matters. Because every little part of what takes place on a Sunday is about creating a life-giving experience for somebody to host the presence of God and experience, maybe for the first time, and to take their next step in their faith. Somebody did it for you. I say we join arms. We link up and we take a step and say, I'm going to do it for somebody else. Your next step is to join a serve team today. Maybe you're already on a serve team. Here's something we all can do this week. Are you ready? Choose gratitude over entitlement. Instead of take it for me first, be grateful and let somebody else go first. Instead of being entitled, choose to be grateful. Instead of bragging, find a moment to celebrate with somebody else. Instead of bragging about it, find, find a moment to, to celebrate. If the Cowboys win, swallow your pride and tell the Cowboys fan congratulations. Celebrate with them. I know you want to punch them. I know. I know. Me too. But celebrate with them instead of bragging about how awesome the Chiefs did. Celebrate with them instead. All of us this week, we can say no to entitlement and yes to gratitude. And instead of bragging about something that we've done or that our kids did, we can look for opportunities to celebrate with somebody else on their moment of triumph. And when we do that, we can live as an oasis of humility and God will be seen clearly in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're here with us. Lord, you gave your son for us. Lord, we're not perfect. We don't have it all together. Lord, forgive us for moments where we've walked in pride where we've made it about us where we've taken glory that belonged to you maybe where we've been living in a way where we've been self-condemning rather than recognizing that we have value in your eyes Lord for anybody here who would be feeling like their past doesn't qualify them to serve in God's house God I pray right now that lie would be silenced in their ears. And as children of God, we get to serve in the house of God. Lord, may we remember that our contribution isn't measured by how valuable it is. And that's not where we derive our value. Lord, help us. Help those be courageous to take a next step to be water baptized. Help some of us to take a step and say, we're going to say no. We're going to be second, not first. And we're going to make a decision to serve and to be a part of what God's doing through this church. And all of us this week, God, help us to be an oasis of humility. Celebrating instead of bragging. Being grateful instead of demanding our way. That we would be that oasis of humility people could see you clearly. 
In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.